I am excited to be sharing with you guys a little bit of my story, a little bit of how I came to be where I am today. Um, And for those of you guys who do not know much about me, I have a very distinct passion for how the church works, right? Like I have, a, I have a, some, of, some of you guys who might know, there's a term called ecclesiology. Anybody? No? Great. Cool. We'll just leave that to with me. Uh, there's, so I'm, but it, long story short, it is just how the church works. And I am very passionate about how the church works, what is the purpose behind the church, why we exist, why we gather here together. And, um, but it wasn't always that way for me. Um, it, back, back whenever I was a sophomore in high school, I was your, you know, you're pretty standard high school kid. I'd gr- always grown up in the church, but never really like taken the church by like what it was. It, it was just, I just went to church. I was your standard high school kid. I went to school every day. I said I hated school every single day. I hate, probably legitimately hated school every single day. Uh, I played sports, soccer and tennis. I hung out with friends. I liked girls, maybe a little bit too much, but you know, that's another story. Uh, I liked girls, but most importantly, I went to school every uh, school. I went to church every single Wednesday. I loved youth group, loved youth group so much. And But that was just all the normal stuff. I was just a normal teenager going through kind of life how it was, just regularly going along with the flow. And a lot of high school kids, you know, during this time are thinking about what their future holds. That wasn't me. I wasn't one of those kids who was thinking, where am I going to go to school? Honestly, it's lucky if I'm even thinking about what am I going to do tomorrow? Like, that's just the way I am. And some of you guys just nudge your wife and your, or your husband. You're like, so that's, that's you right there. But that, I just, I live in the moment. I just, I just go with it. Caitlin gets mad at me all the time because she wants to plan Christmas whenever it is January of the, of the next, of the year. And I'm like, uh, we got time. What, what, what are we stressing about? But anyway, but I loved going to youth group on Wednesday nights. It was always guaranteed for it to be a really fun time because, I mean, you had a lot of girls there, but you also had these awesome games that you were playing every single week. And I love games. I think it's probably a big reason why I love games so much is because of my experiences at youth group. And if you're one of those people who doesn't like games, I'm sorry, I just, I just don't get you. I really don't. I don't know why. Games are wonderful. They bring people together, and they're amazing. So I'm sorry for you. <laughs> but uh, I do remember this one time uh, in my sophomore year, my father came up to me, and he, he came up to me, and he told me this one, he asked me this one question. And, and I don't remember exactly where this conversation took place, but I do remember very distinctly this conversation because this conversation sent my life on a complete different trajectory than I thought it was going. Uh, my father came up to me and he said, hey, man, what would you think about us planting a new church? And, and I was like, huh? What? You can do that? You can plant church. Like, I, I know you plant churches in, like, third world countries, but you do? I, I, was, I was, like, so oblivious. I, I just didn't even know how anything went. And he, was, he, he asked me again, and I was like, he was like, what would you think about us leaving our current church and going and planting a new one? And I was like, oh. Okay, I, I guess. I, I mean, I'll, I'll go wherever you want to go, I guess. You know, honestly, whenever he was telling me this, I thought it was just an empty threat. 
I thought he was just, you know, like, we'll, we'll come back on this someday and be like, remember when dad was talking about this? No. The, this, the, what I didn't know is that at the same time, nine other fathers were having the same exact conversation with my friends from youth group. Nine other fathers were having the same exact conversation with their kids. And, uh, what we, and what the plan was is that our youth pastor at the time was going to be our senior pastor of this new church plant. What, what initially happened is we kind of took the youth group of this church and planted another church in the same town. And, and I didn't really know why we were doing it. I didn't know why it was happening. All I knew is that my family was going to be a part of it. And so thus, I was going to follow suit. And so we start this church. We, we start this, this brand new church, this brand new thing, and we start meeting in an intermediate school. Uh, for those of you guys who do not know Kentucky language, that is third through fifth grade. Okay, and, uh, But we start meeting in this intermediate school because they had uh, a gym and they had lots of bleachers, nice seating for everything. But within that, my Sunday morning routine changed drastically. It went from, you know, just coming to services on Sunday morning to waking up at five in the morning every single Sunday, going to the school, unloading this trailer. We called it the church in the, tra- in the box, church in the box, unloaded this trailer full of everything that we needed to set up for church that morning. We would set it up. I would run soundboard, media, or lighting, something of that sort for both services, And then after services, we would tear down, and I typically got home around three, had enough time, a little bit of time for a quick nap and watching some football, some dinner, and then went to youth group at six. That was it. And and we had to do every single thing in this this one day because that was the only day we were able to get into the school. And I'm not going to lie, it was exhausting. We did this for about a year and a half. And by the end of that year and a half, we were tired. I mean, it was, it was straight up exhausting to start it. But there was a difference in that. I wasn't, I wasn't exhausted to the point where I felt burnt out. I mean, I was tired, yes, but I didn't feel burnt out. Because what I saw whenever, what we saw whenever we looked at this church plant is we saw within a year, this church go from about 60 people to about 150 people, like within the span of a year. It was, it was amazing. People were coming in. And it wasn't just that people were coming in, but we were legitimately seeing people turn their lives over to Christ. People who we would have never thought would ever make the commitment to Christ before. And we started seeing these amazing things. And it was so exciting. But what I didn't notice is that not only were their lives changing, but so was mine. Within, within this year of starting this church, I went from this kid who didn't really know anything about the church at all to one who is now helping lead the charge in the mission of leading people to be passionate followers of Christ. Within a year time span, I make this radical transformation of, of who I was at that time, my calling, what I was meant to do. This transformation for me was so huge, and I would put money on this. I honestly can say I would not be in ministry to this day if it wasn't for that time planning the church. I can, honestly, I don't even think I would be in church today if it weren't for that time that I had spent a part of that church plan. Serving for me, giving up my time and energy for, the, for a cause that was bigger than myself was so transformational for me. 
It was a bi- it's a big part of who I became. It's, it's what inspired me to have a passion for the church. It's what inspired me to have a passion for the lost. But most importantly, it's what inspired me to have a passion for this God and this king, this ruler of my life. And, and whenever it comes to my philosophy and ministry, the way I, I like to look at ministry, you bet that's shaped quite a bit of who I, how I think, of what I think. I, I truly do believe, deep to my core, that serving can be so transformational for people because I know how transformational it was for me. I especially know how transformational it can be for a high schooler whenever you give them the opportunity to step up to become leaders within the church that you're a part of, to actually treat them like a part of the church. I know how transformational that can be for a teenager because that's how transformational it was for me. And, and a lot of times I look back and I, and I want to look back and I just want to say, you know, what was it? What, what was it that made it so, so grand for me? What, how, what was it that made this so transformational, made it such a big impact for my faith? What was it? Well, on, on top of it being a part, on top of being a part of something that was bigger than myself, what I look back and I can realize now is that there was a slight hint not a slight hint. There was, there was a bigger slice of this. But there was a very big vibe of worship that was coming out of this. Throughout this series, we've been discussing worship in its entirety. And, and we've been specifically dissecting one particular scripture verse within, uh, within uh, the book of Luke. Actually, it's in all the Gospels, really. But, uh, but uh, it's based on a conversation that Jesus had. These Pharisees, these religious leaders came up to Jesus one time and they asked him, hey, Jesus, what is the one thing? What is the greatest commandment? What is the one thing that if we are to do anything in this life, what should we do? And Jesus responds to them and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And and so in this passage, we've been discussing a bunch of different ways in which you can worship God other than just corporate worship that we tend to know and hear. But there are other ways in which we can worship God. And so we, last two weeks, we heard Kent talk about how we can, Pastor Kent talk about how we can worship God with all of our heart and with all of our mind. And so today, we're going to talk about what it looks like to worship God with all of your strength. And spoiler alert, I've already told you what it's about. Excellent. I've already told you what we're going to be mainly talking about today. I'm talking about serving. But before we hop into it, let, let me just say how much I love this verse. Because this is, this is such a big verse. This is such a big verse. It provides so much clarity for us as Christ followers. Jesus, whenever he's here, is legitimately asked, what is the one thing that you should do above all other things? What is it? And and typically, whenever the Pharisees, the religious leaders, asked Jesus these questions, they were kind of trying to catch him in a trap to to get Jesus to say something that would mess up. But Jesus, a lot of times, would come back at them with some sort of cryptic question to kind of put them in their place. But this is not what we see here. Jesus goes straight for the kill. He's like straightforward. He's like, here you go. Here's what you got to do. You got to love God. But not just love God. You need to love him with all of your mind, with every single thought that you have that you might think about anything in this world. You need to love God with that thought. You need to love God with all of your heart, with every ounce of passion, with every ounce of possession that you might have 
every ounce of treasure you might have. You need to love them with all your soul, with every bit of who you are, every bit of your identity, who he created you to be. And most certainly you need to love him with all of your strength, with all of your physical endurance, and with all the energy that you have within you. And so talking about strength, this is the one area in which we can actually look at and say this breeds a physical response. This breeds for us to actually do something, to utilize our strength to, for the worship of God means that we have to do something. And if you truly ask me what it looks like to worship God with all of your strength, serving is it. To serve people is it. It's the action of stepping out of your normal routine to be willing to sacrifice your normal routine in order to make an impact in the lives around you. Jesus even said it like this to his disciples. He said, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, whatever you did for these people in need around me, you did for me. There, I mean, therefore, to serve God, to worship God, is to fulfill the needs of everyone around us, that they're one in the same. That's what Jesus is saying. They are one in the same. To love God, to worship God, is to fulfill the needs of people around us. And, and everyone has different needs. Everyone has physical needs, we have emotional needs, and we have spiritual needs. And honestly, it's our hope as the church to be a big fulfillment of all three of them. Anytime somebody has a physical need, we want to be there to help provide those physical needs like food, water, shelter. If anybody has an emotional need because of something dramatic that's happening in their life, we want to be the support that we can to help hold them high. If somebody has a spiritual need, I certainly hope that we have this Jesus that we can share with them to provide the most spiritual endurance and the most spiritual health that we could ever possibly give. And I'm not going to lie. Whenever it comes to these three things and the church, and, and not our church, but the Grand Capital C Church, I don't know if we've been doing such a hot job within the last 50 years. I, I don't know. I, I wonder if these things are starting to fall through the cracks because here's, here's what I kind of see happening. As we have this tendency to want to become selfish, not, not, not just selfish with our resources, that's not what, but mostly selfish with our Jesus. We've made Jesus into this thing to be consumed. That we come to church every single Sunday, we go to youth group, we go to life group, we go to Sunday school, and we just feed. We take in as much Jesus as we possibly can because we know this is what's going to get us through the week. This is going to be what energizes us, and we need this energy. We need to feed. We need to feed. We need this Jesus. We need to consume as much as we possibly can in order to make our faith stronger. Now, it sounds like I'm coming down on this, okay? But to be clear, all of these things are super important, okay? There's nothing wrong with needing Jesus. We all, we all need to consume Jesus. We all need to feed ourselves. We all need to go to church, go to life group, go to youth group, read scripture, come corporately, worship together. We need these things. These things are very important. But somewhere along the line, that's what it became all about. And it became all about my needs, what I need. It became all about the style of worship that I need in order to worship. 
This goes both ways. It became all about the things that I need in order to connect with my heavenly father. And what we see is that the things that we give up, the things that we sacrifice, the things that we serve, the things that we can give to the people around us is starting to fall. The need for people to have Jesus as ruler and king of their life begins to fall aside. A big reason, honestly, I think the main reason why my parents and so many others felt led to plant the church that we did was, and I know this now because I didn't know this at the time, but I, I know this now. The reason why they felt so compelled to plant the church was because whenever we looked at the town that we lived in, it was a town of maybe about 10,000 people, Maysville, Kentucky. They looked at the town and they saw out of all the 20 and 30-year-olds that lived in Maysville, Kentucky, you could probably count on one hand how many of them were in church. You could count on one hand how many of them were living their life for Christ. What they saw was an entire generation of people that were getting lost, that were completely missing it. And if we didn't do something different, if we didn't try and do something different, then we were, gonna, we were just going to lose this entire generation for Jesus. And who knows what it would have followed after that. And, and so in the process of planning, we changed church. We changed it. We changed the music. We, we geared all the messages to be hinge around the church, unchurched person. We, gear, we changed the environment. We rallied around this mission to reinvigorate this lost generation for Jesus. And, and to be clear, we're not the only ones who were doing this at the time. There are churches all over America who have been doing this for the last 30 years, trying to reinvigorate this passion, the same thing that we're trying to do here at Hush First Naz, to reinvigorate this passion for people to want to help or help people find and follow Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. We want to help people find and follow Jesus. That is it. That is the mission. That is the goal. That is everything why we exist. That is, that is the only reason why we exist. But if I could be honest with you, sometimes I worry. Sometimes I really do worry that even in the midst of creating a new modern church service, all we create is more consumer's faith, more consumer faith making faith about just going to church, about getting fed, about getting my time with Jesus and then heading back into our lives. But guys, that's not why we're here. That's, that's not why we're here. We're not here to just be fed. We're here to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're here to be the body of Christ with him at the head. We're here to do the work to do the work that God has called us to, the work that he has prepared in advance for us to do, the work that Jesus displayed for us whenever he was here, the work that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. We were not created to be sitting on the sidelines and watch and hope that people come to know Jesus. We were made to be out there in the field, harvesting, becoming fishers of men. We were created for this to serve. We were made for this. It's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are meant to be. The Apostle Peter, the one we can give credit to, 
basically starting the entire church after Jesus left. He wrote a letter to the general church, a church that was scattered and was facing persecution from left and right. It was, in, it was scary times. And it was, there's a couple verses within this letter that I, I just love. It, it sticks out to me so much. So we'll look at it together. It's, he starts, he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So at the start here, Peter points to this truth, this truth that we all know, and it's not something that's hidden. It's something we are all aware of, that every single one of us in the room are gifted differently. We all have different gifts. We all have different abilities. We all have different talents. And we were given these gifts whenever we were born. And you have come to grow and develop these gifts as you've been raised, as you've grown up. You're probably very gifted and talented in areas that I couldn't even dream of being gifted and talented in. Some of you guys know, actually, actually know the parts of an engine. I, I could maybe tell you what the piston is. That's about it. I, I, I don't know anything about car parts or engine parts. But on the same side, I'm probably gifted in areas that you guys are not as well. That's the way it, that's the way it works. Peter is making the statement that you guys have certain gifts and you have been given these certain gifts for a reason. You are meant to use them. You are meant to use them. And and there is no greater purpose, there is no greater calling than to use them for the advancement of the kingdom of God in this world. And the way you do that is by serving others. And whenever you serve others, you become faithful stewards of God's grace, the grace that you have received in your life in its many different various forms. I love that so much. Peter's killing the scripture game here, killing it. If you ever need a reminder as to why it is you serve, there it is. Because the reason you serve is because you are faithful stewards of God's grace. God's grace is not something that is just meant to be given to you, but it's something that's meant to be shared through you something that's supposed to be felt by the church. We are not meant to just take it in, but to spread it, to keep it going all around. Because what happens if we just try to keep it in? We become hoarders, hoarders of God's grace, keeping all for myself and none for those around. Peter then continues and he says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. We could go into social media, but we won't do that. If anyone serves, they, could, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Whenever we were planning the church, I was involved in a multitude of different things. I, I, I did a lot. I ran tech. I helped with setup. But also, I, do, I, I invited people like crazy. I wanted my friends to come experience this new church that we were, that we were doing, that we were a part of. It was exciting. And, and I remember one Sunday, specifically one Sunday, I was running, sound, uh, running the sound mixer, the soundboard on that Sunday morning. And I'm not going to lie, I thought it sounded great. I thought it sounded wonderful, like pretty dope, if, if I could say. Like, and you could tell, like, the worship was hot. I mean, the spirit was moving. It was, it was great, and I was feeling really good. 
And I went up to the worship leader afterwards, his name's Bobby, and I, I went, man, that, that was so good. I don't think I could have, I don't think I could have ran that sound any better. It was just perfect. It was exactly what it needed to be. I legitimately said this. And, and Bobby, Bobby's response to me, he, he's about two years older than me. He came, he was like, yeah, man, it sounded good. And he and just kept walking. I, he was blowing me off. I, I could tell he was blowing me off. And honestly, for good reason. I mean, that was ridiculous what I was saying. But here's what happened. Within an instant, the time that I had spent serving was no longer about the advancement of the kingdom. The time that I had spent serving was about me. It was about my abilities. It was about what I could do. It was about my accomplishments. And and let me tell you, this is the number one temptation that comes with serving. There is a temptation that comes with it, and this is it. Because every single time we feel as though we have done something great, we can turn around and we can look and we say, I did that. You could even invite a friend to church. They come to worship service and they have this amazing life transformational moment and they turn everything over to God. You could even in that moment, look, turn around and say, yep, I did that. That was me. I'm the one who brought them. I'm the one who invited them. They're only here because I brought them. They're having a party in heaven right now because I brought them. No. Pride is your number one obstacle to your worship. I believe that wholeheartedly in every sense of the word worship can be. Pride is your number one obstacle. Because what pride does is that it shifts the object of your worship to not being about him, but about you, about yourself. And I'm telling you, you cannot serve, you cannot love, you cannot follow a God like ours if you are placing yourself above him. That's not not how it works. And, And I get it. When something amazing happens, like even something as amazing as somebody getting saved, it's, it's exciting. It's so exciting. Every single time we have an encounter like this that's so exciting in the midst of our serving, it's, it's what motivates us. It's what pushes us forward. We like to feel good because we can look back and say that I made a difference, that I made an impact. But whose strength were you really using? Whose strength are you really using when you serve? Was it yours? No. It was his. If anyone serves, they do so with the strength that God provides. The strength that God has given to you. See, what our issue is, is that we have this tendency to have this misplaced credibility in the light of our sacrifice. If we are to serve God, if we are to worship God in the midst of our service, then we need to step out of the way and give credit for our strength where credit is due. Because your strength is not yours. My strength in this moment on this very stage is not mine, but his. And we should give all credit and all glory over to him. That right there is where your true worship lies. That's where your true worship is. And and that's where you're called to be. You're called to worship. You're made to worship. 
You're called to serve, but most importantly, you are called to wield God's strength. You are called to wield God's strength. One of my absolute favorite things to do right now is go play Top Golf. Anybody been to Top Golf? Just show of hands, been to Top Golf? Okay, a few of you. Not many of you, which is super disappointing because Top Golf is amazing. You guys should all go to Top Golf. It's so much fun. Anyway, so uh, the reason why Top Golf is so much fun, and I'm going to sell it to you right here. They should actually pay me as a salesman here. Top Golf is so much fun because you do not need to be good at golf to go enjoy Top Golf. Right? It's like bowling. You don't have to be good at bowling to go enjoy bowling. You just go have fun bowling. Top golf is the same way. You don't have to enjoy golf. You don't even have to be a golfer. I wouldn't even consider myself a golfer. I, wouldn't, I don't play golf. I love the sport golf. I love to even watch golf. Some of you guys just went like, what? Who watches golf? <laughs> I watch golf. Sorry, I'm weird. I love sports. But anyway, I just, I just love going there and just having a good time and having fun. But you know what? There's this thing about hitting golf balls. There's this thing about hitting golf balls with a club. And and I've been taught this before. I was taught this whenever I was younger by my dad whenever he took us to a driving range once. But I never really understood it until I had spent some extra time at the driving range Topgolf provides. He, uh, He would, every single time I wanted to come up to the ball and I just wanted to smack it. As hard as I could, because that was the objective. I, I wanted to hit it as far as I possibly could. That's why, that's why I use this thing, because I know this thing can smack the ball so far, and I just want to wheel it. I want to pound that ball to hit it as far as I can. And, and I remember my dad teaching me something. He said, hey, don't swing it as hard as you can. Don't do it. You let the club do all the work. And he said that all, all over and over again. I didn't know what it meant. It just made me so mad. Let the club do the work. See, what golf clubs are designed to do, and the way that they're specifically engineered, honestly, I would say it's why they're so expensive, they're specifically engineered to do different things, complete different tasks at different times, hit the ball at different lengths. They're specifically engineered a certain way to accomplish the task that they are meant to do. And whenever you are swinging the club, what you're supposed to do is let the club do what it's designed to do. It's the driver is intended to add power to your swing, to drive the ball farther. And you're supposed to let the club do what it's created to do, what it's engineered to do. All you gotta go up there and do is just swing it. Now you position yourself strategically and you go into your swing very strategically and you have effort into how you do it, but you're not trying to kill it. You just got to swing. God has given each and every single one of us a set of golf clubs, a set of gifts that you have. And each one of them carries with it his power and his strength. And the task you might have at hand, it might be to hit the ball 20 yards. It might be to hit the ball 400 yards. I don't know. But God's given you the tools and he's given you the strength to accomplish whatever you're shooting for. All he needs you to do is just swing the club, to just go up and swing, to at least just go and take action. For some of us, I think we've been letting these golf clubs collect a little bit too much dust in the garage, if you know what I'm saying. 
Maybe it's time we get them back out. Maybe it's time we start swinging again. Because the gifts that you have, the gifts that you were given, were meant to be used. They weren't meant to collect dust. They were meant to be used the way they were engineered to, by his strength. All he needs is you to commit. All he needs is for you just to swing. And and, and so, church, we want to make it as easy as possible for you. We want to make it as easy as possible for anybody to commit to serving in many different areas of the church. We have many different areas that you can serve. If you, are, if you find that you are particularly gifted with kids in connecting with kids, then I know, let's talk to Pastor Christy. Let's try and see if we can start volunteering or find some, find some way to start serving with the kids back there because what they do back there to help kids find and follow Jesus is amazing. If you have a passion for teenagers, if you have this ability to connect with teenagers, Aaron, Pastor Aaron and I would love to talk with you about what it looks like for you to help out on Wednesday nights. Maybe, maybe you're gifted with a very detailed and technologically advanced mind, and you could put that to use with our tech team. And honestly, it's not that hard back there. Uh, but, I mean, there's a lot that goes behind the scenes to make everything like this just even happen. And they do so much. I mean, the whole reason there's an online campus that's watching right now is because of our tech team and what they're able to do. Maybe you find yourself gifted with music. You can play an instrument. You can sing. Maybe you can be a part of the worship team, helping lead in our corporate worship together. Maybe you're really gifted with hospitality, and this is a really important one. This, uh, this one does not give, uh, get as much credit as it should. Maybe you're gifted with hospitality. You have this amazing ability to make somebody feel right at home. Even if you've never met them before, you just have this amazing ability to be like, oh, we're best friends now. Maybe, pa- maybe Pastor Nate would love your help on the host team, making people feel welcome the instant they come through these doors. Maybe you're a very gifted discipler. You, you have this deep knowledge of Scripture. You have this deep understanding and this love to want to lead people up in their walk with Christ. Maybe you can be a life group leader, one who's dedicated to the people that you've been assigned to, to helping them walk in their journey with Christ, helping build them up in their walk with Christ. And if none of those are up your alley, then take advantage of our serve day that we offer. We just did our first serve day back in this fall, and I loved it so much because what serve day does is it gives us this opportunity to go out and be the church, not, not just to come here and experience church, but to actually go be the church, to show all of Reno County that we are for them. And, and this past serve day, we did a lot. We went to McCandless, did some projects, uh, our elementary school that we partner with, and we did a lot of projects around there to help them up. We partnered with Interfaith Housing, and we helped demo a whole house for them to move in for that. We uh, put a lot of gifts together for first responders, and I know I'm probably missing a few things, but there were a lot of things that we were able to do, a lot of good that we were able to do for the community here. And I'm super excited for the one that's coming in spring, so be, be prepared for that because it's going to be great, and you guys want to be a part of it. But any time that you guys hop in and serve with us, through Hutch First Naz, serving here in the ministry we do, serving in our serve days, what you do 
is you become part of our mission. You become part of our mission to want to help people find and follow Jesus. And every single thing that you would do in that service role plays a big, crucial part in helping even just one person come to know who Jesus is. It's a huge part. And trust me, we do not take that for granted. You guys play a huge role in the advancement of the kingdom and do not think that you don't because you most definitely do. But I also want you guys to know that this is not limited to things within the church and we should never think that this is limited to the church. There are lots of other things outside the church that we could do to serve people. We could help donate food to the food kitchen. We might even try and help serve food at the food kitchen. Maybe see what you can do through interfaith housing to see what we can help, see how we can help these kids that are in foster care and what that looks like there. Maybe see what we can do to serve some of the teachers who I'm hearing are having some of the roughest years being post-COVID. Or maybe it's just as simple as going to the park and picking up some trash. I, I mean, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that you're doing something. The point is, is that there is something that you are using your gifts for. The point is, is that you're just swinging the club and letting God do all the work. The point is, is that you're just committed and letting God and watching God work and waiting for God to work towards the goal. And the goal is not your achievement. Even when something good happens, the goal is not your achievement, it's not your accomplishments. The goal is your worship. The goal is to worship him. The goal is, as Peter said earlier, that through our service, God may be praised through Christ Jesus. And to him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity, this, this opportunity to gather together, to hear a word from you, to even just be in your presence. And Father, we have so much to be thankful for, especially this week, to, to want to be thankful for. And so many of those reasons come directly from you. How you've gifted us, how you've called us, the purpose that you give us, but also this thing, the sacrifice that you've given to us. That you sent your son down here to die and take our place in that death. But that death was not the end of your story, but just the start. The start of this amazing kingdom that you are building and that you are calling us to help you build here. And Father, it's my hope and it's my prayer that you empower us, that you guide us, that you give us your strength to complete what you are calling us to do. Father, we love you. We thank you. And there's no other place we'd rather be than here in your arms, here in your presence, here in your love. Help us to carry that throughout the remainder of our week. Let's in your name pray. Amen.